Welcome to 21st Century Women, the podcast that celebrates fabulous women doing interesting things. Each month, Jenna Watts explores different topics with the help of women who are high achievers in their field. They chat without judgment, learn from each other, and have a good laugh along the way. And now, here's Jenna. Aussie actress, writer and producer Fiona Harris is with us to give us a bit of insight into performance in Australia. Fiona wrote and co-starred on the ABC sketch comedy show Flipside, as well as on Channel 9's sketch comedy series Comedy Inc., the late shift series 5, and on all three series of the Network 10 sketch comedy series Skit House. She's also written and directed numerous shows for the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and numerous plays for Stage School Australia. These are just a few highlights of Fiona's very impressive and extensive background. Welcome, Fee, to 21st Century Women. Thank you very much for having me. Fee, as an actress in Australia, what's it like and what has it been like? Just share with us. I mean, I'm sitting here going, I can see. I watch people on Offspring, of which you featured on, and I've watched, you know, Margot Robbie, who's been on Neighbours and then made it to America. I, I can imagine that these experiences are wildly different. Yes, they are. Not a lot of Margot Robbie experiences. That's quite, yeah, unique. Um, Look, it is hard in this country um, because there's not the breadth of work that there is in America or England. So if you do want to be an actor in Australia, you have to be prepared for a lot of hard work, a lot of rejection um, and persistence is kind of key. And even if you do all those things, there's still a great chance that you won't be working regularly. Um, I know, it's very depressing, um, Jenna. Um, (laughs) But I guess, you know, if you really love it, um, and I'm someone who obviously has always loved it, you know, you stick with it and if you stick with it long enough and you're good enough and you surround yourself with, you know, a lot of people who you learn from, which is something I'm still doing to this day, then, you know, work will come and, you know, it, it does happen obviously and you can have a career in it. But in this country in particular, you kind of also have to have a lot of other skills um, to complement the acting because just acting um, and making a living from that is reserved for the Margot Robbies <laughs> and the Chris Hemsworths. Um, and that's so, based on sheer volume. If you compare it to yeah. America, there's oh, yeah. 320 million versus yep. 20 million here. Exactly. And also, we just don't have the amount of channels. We don't have the money. Um, we also tend to cast a lot of the same actors in a lot of the same in in shows you will always see the same faces yeah Yeah. and it's not just something that we in the industry say I now have people who are not even in the industry saying why am I always seeing the Mm. same girl and the same guy and that comes down to because we've been on the other side of that in rooms where we're part this when I say we sorry my husband and I who are both in the same industry um we've been in those rooms those story meetings for tv shows helping you know write them and come up with ideas for them and we've seen those the network executives come in and say well we need this person and this person because we need viewers and they're scared to take a risk on people who aren't as well known because they won't get as many views and they won't get as high a rating so it all comes down to fear a lot of the time um and just going with the faces that they know the general public are familiar with and oh we not we love lisa mccune or you know asha keddy so we'll get them because we know people will watch um yeah because their jobs are on the line and as with television is very cutthroat and Mm. very brutal 
How is Netflix changing that in this country or is it just a tiny, tiny Well, effect? Netflix is – it's. we were just having this conversation this morning because we had a meeting this morning and – even though there are all these streaming services happening, which is fantastic, and there's a lot of people wanting content, when it comes to the broadcasters, they will still always have their quota that they have to fill, and that's not a lot because there's not a lot of money in the arts in this country. This could this could spiral into a very depressing conversation, <laughs> and we don't want to do that. Um, but look, I guess... Without getting into all of the technicalities of why it's the way it is, yes, Netflix is great. Yes, um, having the freedom now as an actor to just be able to write something and put it on the internet and, you know, which is exactly what we did with the drop-off. You can do that now. You couldn't do that when we were starting out. That, that platform didn't exist. Whereas if you want to act, you now can act and film it and put it out there and people will see it. Um, so that is a good thing and that's something that – and then if people see it and the right people see it and, and it's good, then you'll get work out of that. So that is something that didn't exist and now does. So that is a positive. The drop-off fee. It's a, your 2019 web series and it was acquired by Channel 9 yep. to be screened in 2020. That's right. So we made a pilot a few years ago, got a bit of traction and interest on Facebook where we just posted the pilot episode, which was five minutes long. Um, out of that, um, we got funding to make a first series of six episodes, which we did with Princess Pictures. Um, and then we went for funding for a series two with Screen Australia, just Mike and I, my husband and I and our production company and got funding to make the second series, um, which we made last year, which was a lot of fun and very a lot of work because we did everything. We wrote it, we acted in it, we produced it, um, we put the crew together, we put the schedule together. It's quite exhausting. Is it hard acting, producing it? Yes. I mean, <laughs> how do you know, like, am I acting good? Like, how do you know Well, if you're we had performing? a director, so okay. Tori Garrett, who has directed a lot of Australian TV the most recent thing was Secret Bridesmaids Business. Um, she's directed so many well-known Australian TV shows and we've both worked with her over the years on various things and we asked her to direct it and she was amazing. So when we're not on – and we know the characters so well mm. now for this show and we have a great dynamic with our other our co-stars, which is Christy Whelan-Brown and um, Scott Edgar. And we've got we've all known each other for years as friends, so we've got a lovely natural sort of dynamic between us anyway – but, yeah, with the acting part of the drop-off, we find that quite easy because that's just kind of hanging out with our mates and remembering lines. But Tori was always watching and so she was directing that. And when we weren't on camera, then we were helping Tori co-direct. So, yeah. And is it all about what the name suggests, the drop-off? I'm talking yes. about a school, so a school drop-off. It's yeah. for, yes. So it's parents at school drop-off. This is in your future, Jenna. This is um, you can watch it for educational purposes. Okay. <laughs> um, basically, the whole show is about, you know, you have those very unique friendships with people that you meet at school. And when I first started, when we first started at this school, which the show came out of, Mike said to me, you're not allowed to make any more friends because I had quite a lot of friends back then. And... I said, no, I've got no interest in making any more friends. <laughs> and here we are seven years later. A um, lot of friends, fantastic community, and it inspired this show um, because we just met these amazing, wonderful people who we got along with and found our tribe, so to speak, and that's what the show is. So the show reflects these four parents who are a little bit, maybe a little bit inappropriate, maybe a little bit 
you know, they like keeping to themselves and kind of observing what's going on around them. It's kind of like Seinfeld on a bench. Okay. <laughs> um, very observational humour. There's a lot of... Int- then there, in the second series, we ramped it up a bit. Pia Miranda plays a very horrible mum, a bit of a bully, um, and she in real life is the most beautiful person mm. you could ever meet, so it was a lot of fun for her. Um, and we had a lot of fun with guest roles and interact these four having to interact with more people so that was good completely off topic well kind of not really how do you make friends when you have kids in school well i do we take notes from the drop-off or yes yes you can um for us when we started at the school um like i said i was told in no uncertain terms not to make any more friends so i tried to sort of keep to myself but inevitably you can't because your kid joins a netball team or your kid um, wants a play date with someone and you can very quickly work out who's like-minded, who, you know, it's all about finding people who, yeah, it's finding your tribe. So you will find those people. There'll be, you know, there's a lot of people at the school that I have nothing in common with um, and if it wasn't for the school, we would never have hung out. But you get to know these people in this very strange bubble of time known mm. as the drop-off. Mm. And you're sort of you're – you're most vulnerable, you're tired, you're in your tracky dacks, uh, you may not have got a lot of sleep the night before, you might be in a bad mood. And so they see you as you are. There's no putting on any kind of, you know, fake persona because it's first thing in the morning and you're with kids. And they can relate. Yeah. So the drop-off, super exciting if it comes to our screens in 2020 when we see that. And the other thing that you're working on with the drop-off is a novel. That's right. So we got um, a great response to the series, which was wonderful. And then out of that, I've written some kids' books, um, The Super Moopers and Miraculous and DreamWorks, Trolls books. And my publisher for those books saw the drop-off and said, we think this would make a great novel. And we were like, really? Um, but sure. Um, and that's something I've always wanted to do since I was a kid because I love writing and reading. I'm a big bookworm. And so, yeah, we basically have turned it into – it's kind of like big little lies but funny. Mm-hmm. No one dies. Um, <laughs> spoiler, sorry. Um, so it's – yeah, so we've that's coming out in April um, and it's very different to the show because we get to go into these characters' lives, meet their families, learn all about them, which we don't get a chance to do in the short episodes of The Drop-Off. And it was so much fun writing it. It was just really um, – I loved it. I just loved that process of, of having to go away for five days to Barwon Heads to a little room, sticking all my big sheets of cardboard up on the wall and plotting out the whole structure, which is, I'm very, that's how I work, I'm a bit OCD. Um, and yeah, just going going into these lives of these people and these characters for the last year. So we've been writing it. Yeah, and it's done now. You wear so many different hats. You yes. do producer, writer, acting. Do you have a favourite? <sighs> a very hard question um I love the older I get the more I love writing I think writing has been something I've done ever since I could hold a crayon um so and books like I said I'm a massive reader so I think the older I get the more I enjoy writing I also love the just being in my own world um, because I am a very social person, so it's nice to just be on my own with the words. Um, but I'll always love acting. That's something that is fun for me. And But I, I think if I had a favourite, it might be writing. Has it always been writing or just more recently? Um, 
I don't know. That's really hard. Um, they've always gone hand in hand. I've always written, whether it be plays or, you know, script, TV scripts or whatever. Um, and, yeah, like my first book that I wrote was when I was 11. Really? Called Bath Murder. Bath Murder. <laughs> that sounds intense. It was intense. the worst thing I've like if you look at it now it is so bad and is so hilarious but that was always something obviously that was there that because I've just always inhaled books I've just I had an Enid Blight in 21st so yeah I'm a nerd um so I think writing for me has always been very I've had a very big passion for that but acting kind of as well I've always been the the kid who dragged every kid in the neighborhood into my house to put on shows for our parents which they hated because they were really bad (laughs) um so yeah they've kind of always gone hand in hand it's been a a joint thing and you spoke about before it is you've been in this industry a long time and it is very old (laughs) yes not that old I am (laughs) but it is very cutthroat in this country it's harder we spoke just sheer volume yeah what's made you stick it out you know is it the passion stupidity <laughs> Jenna. um yeah look i just i'm i can't really don't want to do anything else like i've had my years of working i lived overseas for a couple of years and i've worked in offices i worked at, when i was 19 for three years i worked at the abc in the you know um production side like as a secretary um and i when i lived overseas i worked in offices but I've always had, like, the short stints I have had in that world is just not me. It's just some people just aren't made for that, and mm, that's me. Um, I go a bit stir-crazy. Um, with I like variety. I, I get bored easily, um, even though clearly I've been with my husband for 20 years, so that's okay, touch wood. Um, <laughs> but I do. I get – we moved nine times in 12 years with kids because of work, and I love that. Like, I love moving around – so I think I'm just someone who, yeah, I like change and, and variety and this suits me to a T because I get to do so many different things. Whereas if I think I was, you know, in an office um, where, and I also did a lot of hospitality in my 20s because you have to mm-hmm. when you're an actor. So I did that for 10 years and I loved that because that was different every day, yeah. different people, busy I just like to be busy and variety. So office I know, or, you know, that sort of thing doesn't really suit me. Fair enough. Yeah. 20 years with your husband. Yes. <laughs> now, I've read somewhere that you guys kind of dated before you dated. Yeah, Isn't on stage. Yeah. So we Not met. Not many people could say that. No. So it's we had a fake. Before you buy. Yeah, we had it's a fake right. relationship before a real one. <laughs> um, so we were cast as boyfriend and girlfriend in three shows before we got together in real life. So we met in a play um, at Chapel Off Chapel. Um, where we were cast as boyfriend and girlfriend and then that led to two more shows, one at Ripponlea Gardens, a summer, um, um, How Did the Baskervilles, Sherlock Holmes, um, and then a comedy festival show and then and I had a boyfriend at that stage and he was with someone else and we were just friends throughout that time and then, you know, something changed and we were like, I think the universe is trying to tell us something. (laughs) And I broke up with my boyfriend and he broke up with his girlfriend and there was a little period of we weren't with anyone and then we were like, oh. And so, yeah, but we did. We had – I think it's what's been really good for us and for any relationship, if you're friends first, I just think that makes – well, it did for us, made a huge difference because we knew each other very well. Um, We're total opposites, always have been – and that worked for us as friends 
and that there are things about that that make it really hard once you're together obviously because you'll annoy each other with those things that are very different to you but it's better than being the same because I think that would get boring very quickly. You obviously had chemistry if you'd been casted three times yeah, together. I think obviously other people saw it before we did. Yeah. yeah, That's so sweet. Yeah. How about life together? Two creatives, you've got a family, yep. parenting, working, <coughs> you, you work You work together, you parent together, you do a lot together. Yes. <laughs> so there's two, two parts to this question. The first is how do you do it all in the industry that you're in? And then the second part is how do you do it all – regardless what industry you're in yeah well that's a very good question because a lot of people say we wouldn't I wouldn't be able to do that with my partner we'd kill each other we'd be divorced um and it's fair enough because it's very stressful at times it's and especially within our industry where work is so all over the place Mm. and there are periods where one of us isn't working or we don't know what's next so there's a lot of insecurity there's a lot of instability um god as I'm saying it out loud I'm just like how the hell are we still together (laughs) um but I think we do have times when we're doing each other's head in and I will literally like as you see now all my stuff's out here in the dining room and he's in the office even though we share that office I'm out here because you do you Mm -hmm. need your space and um we try and make well our kids have a rule like when we're having dinner or we're all together we're not allowed to talk about work mm-hmm. um so they keep us in check um that's great because otherwise that would just be annoying for everyone mm-hmm. um so we do have to try and have a cutoff point where we separate work from personal doesn't always work um and we do have days where we want to kill each other um but we're very good at talking so we might have one of those days or weeks where we're giving each other the shits. Am mm. I allowed to say that? Of course. That Thank you. Um, didn't know if I was allowed to say And as long as we get to a point where we acknowledge it, one of us, it's usually him, he's better at that than me. I'm really bad at that and he will <laughs> agree with that. Um, he's usually one who's like, can we talk about this? Because I'm the one who goes, no, I'm fine. Um, and he knows that, that I'm not fine. Um, How many times do he ask you if you're fine before you – ten times before mm, you open up? No, <laughs> I, it's it's gotten down to maybe two. Oh, good. So we've moved on <laughs> over good. 20 years. Um, but he's much better at that than me. I'm kind of – in a stereotypical world, I'm kind of like the man. Um, <laughs> so it does – it is hard. And like last week, just last week, he had a really bad week. He had a, a week where he was quite low about a few things – and then it's my job to try and make him feel better and then vice versa when it's me because in our industry there are so many highs and lows. Mm. Like, you know, you'll go for auditions, you get really close, then you don't get it and you feel like crap for a week. Um, And we've always said you're allowed to have a day of feeling like shit and being depressed, but then you have to get over it Mm. because we don't have a choice. Like this is our livelihood, we've got kids, we've got a mortgage – so you just have to get on with it and it's hard and it is very but I think because we understand that and a lot of other people don't but we have each other that if I was with someone who didn't get how hard that can be or how frustrating or how it destroys your soul some days I think that would be really hard but we get it so that I think is a good thing and the kids get it as well because they live with it (laughs) (laughs) so that's how you deal with the crappy times or when there's a bad week or it's yeah the, the crappy times are awful like it's you know like I said last week he had a really shit week and 
it is. It's horrible because you work so hard and then something mm. might not come out of it and you just think, well, that was all that wasted time. But when you actually look back in hindsight, once you're feeling better, you realise it wasn't wasted because you learnt something from that. And that's how we try and approach it. We've learnt so much over the years from the bad stuff yeah. um, and the failures and the rejection than we would have if we just had one success after another so I think it's in the end it's a good thing and how do you celebrate the wins champagne yep yeah uh yeah the, the wins are good and we've we've been very lucky touchwood that we've had a few good wins in the last few years which has been lovely um and yeah we're just I think we we never take it for granted because we've had so many you know hard times like any artist so not taking it for granted is probably the best part about the wins because you appreciate it so much because you know how good it is and how lucky you are. So, yeah. Listening to you, Fee, I kind of, I don't know what the word is, so bear with me here. That's right. But I'll have a sip of my coffee. <laughs> You're good. I want to, when, when I hear basically how you guys live your life and it is cyclical and that's what the industry that you're in kind of exhausts me a little bit oh. my brain goes oh my god like you know the stress that, that yeah must there's a be. lot it must be intense but you've also got to love it and enjoy oh it. we love it and that's and it's the not thing suit everybody no of course not i i have very close friends who've obviously known me pretty much i've got still four of my closest friends i've known since primary school oh yes so and they have said to me many times over the years, I don't know how you do it. Um, but they have also then said to me, but I am but I am so inspired by it or I'm so in awe of it because it is hard. Um, but it's, it's our choice. Like mm -hmm. we could very easily go and get an, a regular job tomorrow because we've got enough skills that we could do that. Yeah. But we don't want to. We love what we do and it is very fulfilling and rewarding. It is hard, but we love it and I, I wouldn't want to do anything else and it makes us happy for the most part I know my little rant before makes it sound like maybe we're on the verge of depression we're not <laughs> it's all good um, it's all good it was just one week it's over now <laughs> um, but you yeah we're at this age you know we're both in our 40s we've been doing this for a long time and we wouldn't still be doing it if we didn't love it. We have a lot of friends that we started out with doing amateur theatre with years ago who all dropped off and went off and would stuff this. I want to buy a house. I want to get a car. I want to have money. And they all went off and got real jobs. And we totally respect and understand that because, you know, that's probably the smarter thing mm. what they did. Um, but we stuck it out and it's managed we've managed to make it work because one of us has always been working there's been a few times where neither of us have been working and that's been really stressful with mm -hmm. kids um but for the most part one of us has always been working so you just juggle and you just and because we now have this production company and we have a lot more strings to our bow in terms of our skills um that just it makes it not easier but there's more opportunity for yeah. work yeah do your do your kids like acting and writing and reading oh and yes Jenna. so look i wouldn't say i'm encouraging it um they know the reality of the life we lead because obviously they're part of it and they've always had everything like f our eldest 
has been, and both of them actually, have been either on a stage, backstage, or on a TV set since they were babies. Finn, our eldest, I was doing Skit House, a sketch comedy show for Channel 10 when she was born. I was filming up until I popped, literally, a week before she came out. Then went back to work three weeks after she was born and she was being Mike was bringing her to set so I could feed her on set and delirious. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have they've always been around it so they know it's hard. Unfortunately, they're both very funny and very they have it. They have talent. They the little one can sing. The older one is very funny and gets the leads in all her school shows. But she's also doing chemistry and biology and maths and wants to do a nursing degree. And I'm like, yes, do that. (laughs) Um, Just do both. Yeah, just Just do both. And she knows that. So she wants to go and do midwifery and nursing nursing and keep doing acting on the side. And I'm like, do that. That's brilliant. Um, Because I think both of them will always maybe want to do it if it's available to them or if they'll go and she'll probably audition for the drama schools. But... They also know that it's good to have other mm-hmm. skills. You have a passion for encouraging kids to you know, pursue dreams and their yeah. goals, don't you? Yeah, so I do school talks. I do a, sh- um, a school talk called Follow Your Passion, funnily enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's from primary school to high school, all ages. And I love working with kids. Um, I taught at Stage School Australia for a few years, drama to kids there, and I loved that. And I've been writing the Rip and Lee primary school shows, concerts now for about six years, and love that, working with the kids on that. I just love kids. Mm. I love being around kids. I find them – I love teenagers, although they can do your head in at times, but for the most part I love them. Um, Yeah, because I I think I feel like a kid still myself um, because you kind of have to to do what we do. But there's something so healthy in that. Yeah, you kind of you, to keep your your humour and to yeah. keep your inner your inner child. I get told that all the time. Like, find your inner child. Yeah. Stop being so serious. My inner relax. child is right out there. <laughs> There's no hiding my inner child. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's why I love being around kids. And I coach my daughter's netball team. We've got our dinner tonight, our end of season dinner, um, because I just I find kids and teenagers they they do they make you feel alive they're funny they're surprising um but like i said before i'm very strict so i'm very old school as well so there's a lot of rules not a lot of rules but there's a lot of boundaries with my kids and but i think kids love that as well and that's what i've learned from teaching kids and doing talks for kids and coaching kids they do they love it they respond so well to boundaries Mm. and rules and being a little bit firm they love it yeah Yeah. so yeah i love being around them fee upon reflection do you have one role whether it's acting writing producing anything do you have one thing that you're looking at is me going that's so hard um like as in one particular job or that i've ever done ever done whether it's acting or writing or produced or I don't know, working in the office, like anything that you look back and go, I loved that time of my life. Oh, my God. That is the hardest question ever. Um, You're like, no. Well, like this year I've just come off a three-month tour of a theatre show back and forth and touring is fun and doing a stage show. That was a lot of fun. That's just recent in my head. That's why I'm saying it. Yeah. I think probably the most fulfilling thing and the most enjoyable thing, even though it was also the hardest thing, was Mike and I making series two of the drop-off 
because we did it all. We were It was complete autonomy in terms of we got to choose the crew, we got to cast it, we got to run it, and we were surrounded by such amazing, talented people who were just on board 100%, which made the whole experience so joyous. So that was a very fulfilling rewarding experience i think making series two of the drop-off i can't wait to watch it yeah i hope you enjoy yeah, it absolutely yeah. now a couple of final questions that we do on 21st century women podcast yes. <laughs> very formal a book you would recommend there's about the thousand behind i know you, so pick see one. that's again a nightmare question and when you sent that through i was like oh my god this is like <laughs> rob gordon in high fidelity which is one of my favorite books because his top five songs that drives him mental and that's me with books um but i would have to i'm just going to say two right. the 13th tale by diane setterfield mm-hmm. brilliant and the beautiful ruins by jess walter which i think is behind me yep. um that is also brilliant um okay. those are two books that immediately sprung to mind but there are so many others but we don't have time okay two so is we'll good. leave that and two is good a quote that you live by one that might inspire you or um, even a meme well does. i read big magic by elizabeth gilbert who i love and i love that book and there are quite a few quotes in that that res- related to that spoke to me um just about creativity and um owning your disappointment and acknowledging what it is and moving on, that sort of thing. So there's a lot of quotes in that book that I love, but the one that I have framed in my office, it's right here and I can read it out. Uh, So this is Jane Austen from Northanger Abbey and it's, let me only have the company of the people I love. Let me only be where I like and with whom I like and the devil take the rest, say I. (laughs) That's kind of my philosophy. (laughs) I love it. Fee, thank you so much for sharing thank just you. a bit of this. I think uh, you can definitely get a sense of your work ethic and extremely courageous. Um, so thank you for sharing. Thank you. That's very lovely. And all the best. I can't wait to see the drop-off in 2020. Thank you very much. You've been listening to 21st Century Women podcast with Jenna Watts. To hear more stories about fabulous women doing interesting things, you can subscribe to the 21st Century Women podcast via iTunes or Spotify. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can post a review on iTunes or at jennawatts.com.au slash podcast. On the website, you can also check out the latest blog posts and notes on each podcast. Until next time.